Hello, and welcome to the Attractive Christians podcast, where we make Christianity a little less repulsive and a little more attractive and beautiful. I'm Annie, one of the producers. In this episode, Tucker and Ethan talk about Tucker's baby update, as well as the recent shooting at Lakewood Church, a controversial Super Bowl ad, and they discuss original sin. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to listen. Give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Reach out to us on all the socials or send us a Gmail. We want to hear from you. Welcome back to the Attractive Christians podcast. My name is Ethan Renault, And back from the dead, I'm Tucker Lamping. Although he, he has, what, a like two-week-old? Two one week, week old? Two week old. Two Maybe. week it's old. Like, this is week two. So you're still mostly dead. I'm from mostly all the dead. lack of sleep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I went zero dark 30 on everybody there for a little bit. But it's okay. We'll forgive you. We still had a great podcast last week. Oh, yeah. And in the studio tonight is no one. It's, it's just, just us. <laughs> ju- just the boys. That means all we're going to do tonight is talk about farts and wieners. <laughs> Not really. Don't turn it off. Right yet. <laughs> Emphasis on wieners. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll try to keep it to a minimum. But honestly, yeah. that's one of the things that that's why men need women and women need men, because that we make each other. We rein each other in, I guess yeah. is how you could say it. I was talking to someone recently. Uh, who was it? It was a father of boys. And he said that whenever they have girls over to their house, the boys just immediate shift. Like just normal. Yeah, totally. To like, like not barbarians all of a sudden. <laughs> like suddenly they're able to hold in their gas and their sounds mm. <laughs> and their words and, you know. I love that. And then <laughs> boys probably have a similar effect on girls. Like, I don't know how, but imagine a room full of girls and then insert a couple boys and things change. <laughs> For the better, you know, yeah. both genders need each other. Wow, that's loud. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, though. That's a fair point. I think that that's a great way to start it off. Start what off? The whole night. Oh, a little little gender talk? A little gender talk. (laughs) Um, But it's very accurate because I think even I had that experience where I was like a totally different person away from girls. Yeah. And my sense of humor was like completely different, too. Yeah. Well, um, we... You know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go for our new segment right off the bat. How do you feel about that? Oh, I love it. Our new segment. I'm super excited for it. And this should get the listeners more involved as well. Our new segment is called Crowd Surfing. Crowd <laughs> Surfing. So crowd surfing is just uh, another term for listener mail. You know, our interactions with the crowd or the audience or you listeners, you people listening to this podcast. So we got this great email from Mallory Morgan, and uh, it's a long one, so I won't read every single word, but I'll kind of skim some of it to you. I told you about this, Tucker. So you listen actively, and you respond to it. Uh, she is responding mainly to our Charismatic Ministries and Churches episode. Oh, that was a good conversation. That we did with uh, Matt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she says, I'll try not to write a book here. And then she writes an entire book of an email. (laughs) Um, I'll try not to write a book here, but I really appreciated what you all shared about your experiences with both Bethel and YWAM. Living in Reno, I'm in an interesting position. Reading isn't that far from us, so we've often seen BSSM, 
which is Bethel School of Supernatural Ministries, students come to Reno for evangelism field trips, I guess is what they'd be considered, question mark. <laughs> I worked for an inter- interdenominational parachurch campus ministry for a number of years and would have some of my students share how they'd be invited to go on these outreaches with the visiting Bethel teams. Are you listening so you can feed back to this? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> some, <laughs> <Just kidding> <laughs> some came back with powerful testimonies of healing. Others with a lot of questions we'd have to tease out together. Also have a few friends who landed in Reno after participating in BSSM and seem to have a complicated experience. When it comes to Bethel, I've started telling people over the years, eat the meat, spit out the bones. That's a really good way to put things for any ministry or any mm-hmm. church or any teaching, right? Yeah. You could say the same about Buddhism or Islam, right? Mm-hmm. Is there meat that we can learn from in there? Sure. Right? I mean, I think it goes along the line. Did we did we talk about that last time? Like the all truth is God's truth. Like you can pull the yeah. truth out of different things. If let's, let's say it's Buddhism or Hinduism, you've got like very true things that apply to human life and are very beneficial for people. But there's, you know, a lot of Junk yeah. in there too. Yeah, we definitely talked about that at some point. I can't remember exactly yeah, when it was. Remember. It's been a while. But anyway, yeah, along those same lines. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the same is definitely true with fellow Christian denominations, which yeah. may behave or operate a lot differently than us or our preferences. And they might even go so far as to be like downright wrong about certain things. But like she said, there's still some meat to ingest <laughs> from mm-hmm. it, <laughs> metaphorically. Yeah. And she goes on to talk about a Carry the Love event. Oh, okay. Interesting. Do you know what that is? Yeah. So I actually – I don't know if I got the chance because we were running really short on time last time. But that was part of my experience was uh, I had a lot of interaction with Carry the Love. I put on three Carry the Love events during my time in college at at my university and interacted with those people a lot. Still Mm. kept in touch with them like for a decent amount of time even after school. So it's a pretty solid organization for the most part. Carry the Love is uh, – how would I describe it? I, it's it's difficult because I, I think that those there's some really incredible people in that organization. Carry the Love, I would say think about YWAM, right? It, it's a YWAM DTS. It so, is? Yeah. Yeah, it's a oh. YWAM trip. Oh, so, so Carry the Love is a ministry of YWAM? Carry the Love is a ministry of YWAM, but it's heavily influenced by Bethel. Uh, and it's very involved in, um, the send. So it all kind of like, is this, it's, it's, it's the circle. It's sort of like the, the group, you know, it it kind of, everybody's in the same camp. Right. Yeah. I think that's why it's tough to kind of pin YWAM down because they interact with so many different organizations. And so Mm -hmm. carry the love is a YWAM trip and it's like a campus ministry thing. So, um, they do like a two night event at a college campus. Anyway, yeah, I've had, a, I've had a lot of experience with them. Anyway, keep going. So she said that her experience with Carry the Love was uh, mostly positive. I'm just summarizing mm-hmm. a lot of what she said here. So then a couple paragraphs later, I'm, I'm skipping down. <laughs> we mid- care what you have to say, Mallory. <laughs> yeah, Don't worry. <laughs> I read it all. I'm just not reading it all on the podcast. In mid-2022, I left my campus ministry role and took an inner, inner city missionary role with the Assemblies of God which, if you don't know, is very charismatic Pentecostal denomination. Mm -hmm. Here in Reno, I grew up in the Assemblies of God denomination, so I had a charismatic upbringing. Okay. Granted, she says, more mellow than some. 
Speaking in tongues was talked about consistently enough, and I'd witnessed it plenty of times growing up, but I've never spoken in tongues myself. Imagine my surprise when, during the process of applying to come on with Assemblies of God, I had to share about my experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, quote, mm. as evidenced by speaking in tongues. I laugh about it now, but the application sent me into panic, and I went into my lead pastor's office fearful I wouldn't be qualified for hire because I'd never spoken in tongues. Mm. He was really great at talking me down from the ledge, but it's so interesting the way charismatic circles talk about tongues and how it can sort of cause a bit of an inferiority complex mm -hmm. for those who have not gotten the gift. Growing up in that circle and not speaking in tongues myself has led to a bit of an interesting deconstruction process about tongues in the last year or so. Mm -hmm. Very grateful for my lead pastor and our conversations. They've brought me to a more healed and settled place about everything, and rest assured, I still got hired. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Next paragraph. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> this was... <laughs> She just must be a very giggly person, I love which that. is my favorite kind of person to be around. This was a very long-winded long way of saying I deeply resonated with so much mm. of what was shared in that episode and appreciate you guys for sharing. And then she also said for the episode with Garms, I loved it. What a gem. <laughs> <laughs> Did you listen to that one? <laughs> I listened to just a portion of it, but that was when we were like in labor, basically. Yeah. So it's been a bit of a long two weeks for me. Yeah. But I'll, I'll catch up on some of my listening. Yeah. I've so she closes it with- on a weird schedule. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for all the good conversations over the podcast. I've enjoyed them. And then P.S., Thanks, Ethan, for his books. I've read most of them, and I'd like to write myself, and your books are great. I love them all. Blah, blah, blah. She didn't actually say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she did say, I've appreciated Ethan's writing, and I think the authenticity and vulnerability he has demonstrated in his writing is part mm. of what's inadvertently helped push me to be bold enough to pursue putting some of my words out into the world. Ooh. So thank you, Ethan. Nice. Nice. You're encouraging I'm people. I'm inspiring future You're inspiring writers. People. That's great. That's awesome. Well, first of all, thanks, Mallory, for shooting us that email. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, that's super interesting because I, I think that Carry the Love is like more of an up-and-coming movement. It's like circuit riders is, is what they're called. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like really popular right now because they're reaching a lot of younger people, like college-aged people, right? And I think that it, it's tough to say. I, I always struggle because I ride the line where I'm like, is, is God actually using this? And then the other side of me is like, oh, it, I, like, I think he's totally using this. Mm -hmm. And then one side of me is like, no, he's probably not. And then the other side is like, no, he definitely is. Well, you can't say there is zero fruit whatsoever. Exactly. Right? So. And so I remember we had, I, I, and I, granted, I had, I mean, we had a crazy cool experience. Like the first year they came through, you know, it was, it was very impactful in like my campus setting where. I think a lot of students generally were more reformed theologically, so it was difficult, it, it, you know, difficult for them to kind of embrace more of like a, you know, mystical side of their faith, right? Yeah. And so I think that it was cool to see that kind of wall get broken down. And there were some cool things that happened that first year where it was like, you could tell that us getting the room together, us getting them in, like there were, there were some things that it kind of felt providential. It was like, wow, mm. this is actually like, I think God is using this. We were baptizing people in the, I went to Colorado Christian University. There's this like 
nasty little pond in the middle of campus. Ew. We were like baptizing people in the pond. and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was kind of awesome, yeah. honestly. And people were like really into it. And I think that it was tough because the as I grew in my knowledge and like grew in my theology, I started realizing a lot of the things that I didn't agree with. A lot of like name it, claim it things yeah. that kind of seep into all the charismatic movements. Yeah. Um, and so that was a difficult track for me. And so I think hearing her experience with that, like, I think there's a lot of carryover. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from there. And I'm glad that it's mostly positive. Yeah. After, after being in it, it seems like her whole life. Yeah. That she comes away with a good, like, yeah, there's some little yellow flags that I watched out for, like a prerequisite was speaking in tongues, but also, yeah, just that uh, that she comes away and she's like, back. yeah, it's been good overall. Yeah. So yeah, it goes back to my thought of like, there's always going to be. I think in the church, there's always going to be this sense of like a spiritual special forces, hmm. like people are sort of going to build this ideology about like, oh, these people are are celibate, so they're, like, superior to others. Oh, these people are martyrs, so they're, like, superior to other Christians. Mm -hmm. Oh, these people can speak in tongues, so they're superior. Oh, these people, like, have seen and witnessed healings, so they're superior, right? There's, like, this general sense in, I think, a lot of Christian circles that carries over in that. And so it's tough to, like, find the good and spit out the bad. Yeah. You know, and so that's kind of the balance you have to find there. Well, like the question is how do you do that? How do you like who decides what's what's meat and what's bones? You right. Know? And that's the difficult part because I think now post reformation we have like so many different opinions uh, opinions and approaches to scripture. I'm not saying the reformation was bad, but I think that that is one of the downfalls of post reformation Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so I think we just have to go back to scripture and everybody's going to have a little bit of a different take and that's not a bad thing, you know? Yeah. I don't think that that's necessarily uh, something that can't be reconciled. Yeah. So yeah, thanks so much, Mallory. And remember any of you can Gmail us at any time, um, attractive Christians at gmail.com. We'd you, love to hear from you and we'll put it in the crowd surfing segment. Yes. And if you want to like just shoot a DM, you could just ask a big long question on a DM. Yeah. What's the max, like characters for an Instagram DM, Isn't it like a thousand. Know. It might be a thousand words. A thousand characters. Or a thousand something? characters. Maybe not. Th yeah, not a thousand words. That would be long. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you could just send us a ton of DMs. Oh yeah, just send us <laughs> one like paragraph per <laughs> message. Honestly, you know, I don't give a rip how you communicate with us. They're all the same. It's just words. You could send us a letter. True. You could send us a smoke signal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Okay. So you should like pay somebody to run with like a messenger to run like on foot. Send doves. <laughs> doves or like Carrier a messenger. Carrier pigeons. That's it. Carrier like the, pigeons. You know, you're familiar with the, the backstory of the marathon, right? The backstory of the marathon? Like why the marathon is 26.2 miles. Why is that? Oh, you don't know that? I don't think I know that. It's the distance from, I want, I'm going to get this wrong. Oh, I think it, I know what you're It might be at. Athens like to marathon. Mm -hmm. Marathon was the name of one of the cities, and I think it was Athens. I think a messenger ran on foot from 20—they're 26.2 miles apart, and he ran from one to the other to say that they had won the battle or something. Oh, wow. And that yeah. was apparently such a long distance to run all at once that he fell down dead right after he delivered the message. <laughs> um, 
According to legend, you know, this is way back in the day. I but mean, that's why it's called a marathon. It's named after the city of Marathon. Back then, though, people would have been, like, walking that all the time and probably jogging it a little bit. Like, you'd imagine that they'd be pretty in shape. Yeah, but I don't know, all at once. Like, I'm sure that nobody just went out and ran 26 miles. Yeah, true. They probably, like, ran segments of it. The the event was born out of the legend of the Athenian courier Phaedipides. Mm. Phaedipides, who in in 490 BC ran from the site of the Battle of Marathon to Athens with the message of Nike, which means victory. Oh, so that's where you get the Nike shoe uh, title. That's cool. Before promptly collapsing and dying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I was right. I wonder if that's like legitimate. That would be crazy. I mean, that's, I don't know. It's a legend, but who knows? Who knows? It could be real. Anyways, you can send us a messenger on foot. <laughs> <laughs> a marathon runner. <laughs> With your um, theological questions. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah. So, should we move on to some wrecks? Dude, let's get some wrecks. Run, 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 wrecks. Okay, you go first. I've got a really good one, Me actually. too. Really? Yeah. I'd be worried so, if you were gone for two weeks and still didn't have any wrecks. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Frick. Uh, so My wreck my wreck is my son. <laughs> Isn't he cute? <laughs> facts. Well, that's going to be in the headlines because that's some big news. Oh. Um, but uh, if anybody uses the Bible app, do you, have you ever used the Bible app? No. You just use a real Bible? No, I use um, uh, Accordance. Because it gives you the Greek and Hebrew lexicons. Yeah, Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I had that one for a bit when I was in college. I like it. Yeah, it was good. But the Bible app, so I I generally read the ESV. And so I'll just like when I'm working or doing chores or something, throw the audio on and just kind of listen to it. I kind of like that. Uh, Or I like just reading it and listening to it at the same time. You know, like maybe you listen to the audio book and you read it. Mm -hmm. It kind of like helps solidify what you're reading. Yeah. Well, one day I hopped on there to do the audio and it gave me the opportunity to switch the narrator. And I was like, wait a second, switch narrator. But it's only in the ESV and it's only in the New Testament right now. Let me guess. You chose Yoda and he rearranges (laughs) the words? No, but (laughs) it is. It's called Living Water Bible. ESV Music Project by Lutheran Bible Translators. Whoa. Dramatized. Whoa. It's literally just all sung and like played. Like in chant? Like in in just just piano and sung. What kind of music though? All types. Like sometimes it's kind of jazzy and sometimes it's very like, you know, kind of classical-esque sounding and sometimes it's just very like melancholy. It's awesome. Interesting. It's super cool actually. It's like a really fun way to listen to the Bible. Huh. Yeah. So do you have a sample pulled up? Do you want me to play a sample? Yeah, just because I'm curious. I, I'd prefer Gregorian chant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Gregorian chant. But um, so one of my favorite passages is John 17. We'll play it. It's a pretty long one, but let's see if I can. I'll just jump into the middle of it. Okay, that would throw me out. Is that a woman singing? I think this is a guy. That's a dude? What the heck? Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
I just thought, I think it's awesome, bro. Honestly, it is a really cool way to like listen to it. Here's the thing. I like the concept, but that you pulled up the chapter where Jesus is praying to his father, Mm -hmm. right? The high priestly prayer. And hearing that dude with that high pitched nasally sounding (laughs) voice being like, like it, like that doesn't, I don't know. (laughs) They're different. They're different singers for like every book and chapter and stuff. They're they're all, they kind of cycle through, but yeah. Like that particular one. I'm like. It sounds like, I don't know, I wish I was quicker at coming up with things off the top of my head. It sounds like the <laughs> dude from Will and Grace, like, <laughs> like sat at a piano and tries to make Jesus, the, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> tries to make Jesus. Tries to, or just, just singing, for, like, because that's Jesus talking in that passage yeah. that you just played, yeah. so. Oh, man. Anyway. I'm sure it's awesome. I'm sure the rest I of them like are it. great. But. I don't know. It's up to you. Honestly, it's true. Like, some people won't love it. But I need a heavy metal it. version. I'm the type of person that, like, enjoys sung mass. Yeah. So, I don't know. Not everybody loves that. If I'd, they if I they did know. the prophets, that would have to be heavy metal. <laughs> the prophets are so heavy metal. Like, That's may true. your back be wrenched and may your <laughs> infants be dashed against the walls. You know, like. crazy. <laughs> That has to be heavy metal. That would be pretty heavy. That would actually be hilarious if they did a heavy metal version of that. It's so easy. Like, the lyrics are already written for you <laughs> as a heavy metal band. All of these are kind of that same style where it's, like, very kind of, like, just piano and melodic. It's just not my genre song. to begin with. So. Well, I figured. But anyway, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty cool one day, and then I just, like, listened through John, and I was like, wow, this is cool. Nice. But, yeah, that's my rec. I highly recommend listening through it. And if it's not your thing, that's cool. I'm Sick. the type of guy that likes sung mass, so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. What about yours? What's your rec? Mine is going to be another podcast. And, Ooh. Uh, like, it's hard, it's hard because it's a very popular one already. But I just got into it, and I sent you a link earlier yeah. for the Smartless podcast. Uh, it's Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and the dude from Will and Grace. <laughs> What's his name? Sean. The dude from Will and Grace. <laughs> I just mentioned that's probably why he was on my mind. I think his name Sean, is on there. Um, it's Sean something. Thing. What is it? That's going to drive me nuts too. Sean Hayes. Sean Hayes, yeah. yeah. But he, uh, like, honestly, it's so funny. And, like, I love one of my top three favorite shows is Arrested Development. Oh, yeah. It's so good. And that's where Will Arnett and Jason Bateman met. And so they talk yeah. about that. And they have guests, like, every single episode is a huge name guest. Well, ben Stiller, Johnny Knoxville, Charlie Day. Who are the other ones? There were some I, like, wasn't as interested in, like, yeah. Courtney Cox. or right. Like, they just probably talked about Friends all the time. I'm like, I could care less. But... <laughs> Yeah, but like massive name guests, and there's you're, they're talking about backstories behind all the stuff that we knew. Like right. I'm listening to the Ben Stiller one now, and they're talking about the backstory behind um, Zoolander. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't believe I just forgot that uh, Zoolander and and the the Johnny Knoxville one was interesting because they just talk about Jackass the whole time and all the stunts <laughs> he's done and how how many times he's been hurt and all this stuff. And it's just great. Like I I didn't realize how funny Will Arnett and Jason Bateman are. They're just, just generally funny. They're so yeah. witty because you always see them playing characters. Right. So you don't realize how actually funny they are as people. And like <laughs> Will Arnett especially, he – actually, no, both of them equally I'd say. They just crack me up. They're so <laughs> freaking funny. And I think – I'm pretty sure that they're playing minorly characters 
on the podcast. Like maybe you could say they're playing exaggerated versions of themselves yeah. who are extra sassy with each well, other. That's kind of how a lot of like those go, right? <laughs> yeah. And so they're just like they're just kind of like shredding each other. Like they're really nice to their guests, but they'll just like shred each other constantly. <laughs> and they're just so freaking funny. I mean, it's not a it's not PG-13 the, as far as the language. It's R-rated. But I wouldn't say it like other than just swearing. It's not like bad, bad. A little most bit of, of a the cuss. Time. Just a small cuss. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's terrible. It's not like it's a Tarantino movie or something. A little white cuss. Yeah, a little, <laughs> a little, a little edginess, yeah, right? A little yeah. bit past PG-13. It's not like it's uh, – Who's like someone really inappropriate? I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> think of somebody super inappropriate. My brain is just not coming up with. Who's the most inappropriate person ever? Mm. Adam Sandler. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> the first one that came to my mind was Donald Trump. Tronald Dump. Tron. Classic Tron. Oh, anyway, they're not that bad, but just a fair warning, there's a bit of a language. That gave me like a thought about um, I was hanging out with one of our students from the high school youth group here that we've been ministering to the other night, and he was talking about like watching Jackass. Um, <laughs> Getting inspired. <laughs> he went. He saw the new Jackass. Inspiring um, the youth. So I was thinking about Johnny Knox, Knoxville um, because of this when you said that. So he goes, yeah, you know, like the new one is kind of just sad. Like, <laughs> And he, Why? he's like, they're all, they're all old and sober. <laughs> no, but they got young guys he's on. Like, There's new young guys yeah, on but it. He's like, it's just so, it was just kind of sad. They're like all old and sober. And so they like feel everything. They're not like young and blasted all the time. <laughs> well, the, the thing is they look uh, way older than they actually are because they've been so rough on their bodies. It's true. That, but it was just so funny. I was like, that's hilarious. That's the funniest way to put it. Yeah. Uh, here's a fun fact I learned from that episode. Johnny Knoxville is not his real name. Did you know that? Well, I know that, yeah. Oh. Because I watched some interview with him like a long oh. time ago. Uh, yeah. He's from Knoxville. When I got into Jackass when I was like 15 oh, or something. I didn't know that until now. Really? Like, yeah, it's because he's funny. from Knoxville. His his real name is PJ Clapp. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that sound so funny? I, he he should have just stuck with, hey, hi, I'm PJ Clapp. Welcome to Jackass. <laughs> I'm PJ Clapp, and this is the alligator thumb wrestle or whatever. <laughs> whatever crap know. they thought of. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. Honestly, if you're a boy, no, I shouldn't say that. I just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just, I will say all the boys who were adolescents and were inspired by that show, at least tried it once, coming up with something crazy, like trying to get hurt, but also trying not to get too hurt, you know? Oh, yeah. You <laughs> like, know you it. just, it was, like, that's a rite of passage for most American boys. Yeah. You know? I don't know about even just Americans, it's just boys in general. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, did I just Did we just create a gender stereotype? Well, that's why I tried to avoid it because maybe not every boy had that face. Yeah, maybe but, not every boy. But I definitely did. Like we'd, you know, get on shopping carts and ride them down hills and stuff. Oh yeah, I mean we did that stupid. But crap it's like too. I don't want to. I don't want to get too hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I want to do something wild. You're like I want to do something crazy, but like maybe not too crazy. Crazy, but, but not hurt. Crazy enough. Crazy, but not broken bones. Yeah, crazy enough to film, but not. 
<laughs> but I don't want to actually get hurt. Like exactly. They do. Yeah, those guys are nuts. Honestly, it's true. Some of the stuff they've done. Well, that's why they were always blasted doing it. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's just funny. Sweet. Tight racks, dude. Tight racks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you got some headliners. Headliners. Well, we've got some headliners for you guys. A couple of things going on this week. Uh, I've got. I guess we've got a, a threefer. Yeah, I do want to talk about some of the things we talked about earlier. Yeah, like like J Osteen, oh, Joe Osteen. Yeah. yeah, just to just to mention it. It's a it's a brief mention. We've got three big headlines. First and probably the most important is I had a son over the last week. Over the last two weeks, it was two weeks ago. He was born on the second. So everybody send him birthday presents. February second. Oh yeah. Two 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 four. Two 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 four. <laughs> but uh, Hosea Bear Lamping, he's uh, the cutest little baby I've HBL. ever seen. Yep. I've, Isn't that I, a delivery I'm not service either? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's DHL. <laughs> <laughs> HBL. HBL. Classic. Um, so that sounds like a, a channel on TV. <laughs> HBO. But just that's what it L. sounds like. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> home, home, home. What's what's the HBO stand for? Home box office. Is that what it means? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So, so you got home box lamping. <laughs> <laughs> He's so cute, bro. Anyway, so I still haven't met him yet. Yeah. You should have brought him and have him burped into the mic. I had half a mind to try and bring him, but I was like, yeah, that might not be the what works best. Also, Anna had her friend over, and she was like swooning over the baby so oh yeah um so had a baby so that's one he's amazing that's the most important one i'm just kidding but the for you it is yeah definitely i'm a father call me daddy tuck tuck daddy (laughs) (laughs) i always have (laughs) (laughs) uh big kind of sad news there was a shooting at uh, joel osteen's church lakewood church Mm -hmm. honestly just Terrible situation. Um, some lady with mental illness went in, tried to shoot it up. I don't think she killed anybody from the headlines and news I read on it. Yeah, so what, um, well, what I read is that, yeah, I, I read she got shot by the off-duty police officer security people. Just the security team, basically. She had, she had an AR-15, walked uh-huh. into Lakewood Church with it, and for some reason she had her seven-year-old son with her. That's just crazy. Which is so messed up. That poor kid, bro. Well, he got killed. He's the one, like two people got killed. Is it was he her actually her... killed? Yeah, I'm 90% sure I can double From check. what I read, it looked like he did not get killed. But she got she got shot, so she died. No no other congregants died. Nobody, nobody else was hit or shot. Apparently, the boy got shot in the head, and he's in critical condition. Oh, dang. Right now. Oh, that's terrible. It's it's really vague, like how, like, yeah. did the boy also have a gun and she was trying, like, like what, it doesn't say, like it just says happened? she came in with him, she had an AR-15, they shot and killed her in self-defense, and apparently they saved a lot of people's lives by doing that, oh, so yeah. thank I goodness mean, that they didn't hesitate to stop the... Um, think about how large Lakewood Church is, they're, they're massive. And what's what's really messed up is they did it... Or she, sorry, she did it during the 2 p.m. service, which is the Spanish language service at Lakewood. Oh, interesting. So I don't know if that was part of her motivation. And it was before the service actually started, so people were still kind of scattered around. And so, you know, which is, I think, good, because if you walk into an arena and people are just all seated down and they're all 
together. It's just, you know, it'd be easy to just take out a whole yeah. lot of people. So fortunately, the only person who got shot was one man who got shot in the leg, and he's already out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. But So good, yeah. good. So that sounds like people are at least alive and yeah. well. Um, it just seemed like that was a big enough thing that we should at least mention that it happened. Yeah, seriously. Prayers I will say for that kid, that poor kid. Yeah. Um, and like we talked about this earlier at the coffee shop, but mm-hmm. like Joel Osteen responded to it because it's his church. If you don't know who Joel Osteen is, real like one of the wealthiest and most famous pastors in America, mm-hmm. Very, like the poster child for the prosperity, prosperity gospel. Yeah. And the weirdest thing, like I, I'm not trying to tear him down. You know, I think that we should attack people's theology and not the person. But the the press conference he did where he's responding to this in front of surrounded by police and mm. news people and he's got tons of microphones in front of him. He's like smiling the whole time. It's kind of like his public speaking face is what I was getting from it. Yeah. Um, like kind of like how he preaches, same kind of style. Yeah. But and it's like, tough because it's like I think that that was right after it happened. Yeah. And it's like where's the grief? Like, mm-hmm. wh- like as a pastor, I would – imagine that my response would be like grief, like Mm -hmm. that this could happen so close to home, even though nobody aside from the shooter got killed Mm -hmm. that, and even that itself is a tragic loss, right? That she suffered from the mental health and that she got killed and that she she, was even crazy enough to do that. Yeah. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, people are traumatized seeing like, so where's the, where's the grieving? And, but he was like, we have hope. And he's like smiling with his thick Texan accent. He's like, we have hope and God is doing a good thing here. And he's like smiling. It was so weird. Mm-hmm. And maybe I I don't want I don't know the guy. Maybe he's processing. Maybe he right. was in shock. Maybe he – but it was just kind of weird. Like, you know, you would expect a leader like that to be like heavy, to display some heaviness maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But, I think I know exactly what you mean. And it's tough because like in our day and age, people can do a press conference and you just – don't want to like say the wrong thing, you know, and everything he said just seemed very generic kind of general. Yeah. Kind of brushed over some of the big things. I kind of wonder what Lakewood church would do for that kid. Like mm. if they would like support that kid in any mm. way or. Cause That'll be interesting to see. That would be honestly one of the biggest things of like reconciliation or yeah. kind of like grace and mercy for that poor mm. kid because that, that poor kid didn't know better or right. deserve that right, you right. know yeah um, yeah you can't blame a seven year old kid no regardless no. of what was happening if his mom was doing that right yeah, it's messed up so, that, it, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens like what they actually do with that yeah so that was a tragic thing that happened this week unfortunately mm-hmm. like we said it could have been way worse than it was but we felt like we had to mention it at least and just say that you know we want to pray for her, for her son, for her family, and for anybody who was traumatized or injured yeah. or hurt at Lakewood. So Everybody that was there, honestly. I mean, even if you were down in the seats below, like, it's still pretty traumatic. Yeah, there's a video of, like, everybody ducking, hiding yeah. in their seats in the auditorium because they heard gunfire, so. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then what's the third thing? So third thing is we watch a lot of football here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Super Bowl was, like, actually barely interesting only at the end um but we just had the super bowl chiefs won it somehow they did yeah yeah i thought okay i, don't know. I know it's kind of i don't know why i heard 
<laughs> I didn't even know so, who was playing the Super Bowl. Really? Until like the day of. That's hilarious, actually. So anyway, there was, I just wanted to touch on it because I think it's kind of going around Christian culture right now. And you mentioned that it happened before with the He Gets Us ad. Yeah. Um, they, they premiered last Super Bowl. Did they do one last Super Bowl too? So we're talking like, so it's an ad, right? And I, what does it t- cost? Like $10 million to get an ad in the Super Bowl lineup? It's, yeah, like 30 seconds. Like millions 30 of seconds, dollars. it's like $10 million. That's like a massive amount, like an obscene amount of money. Mm-hmm. But the Super Bowl is like one of the most watched events, at least in America. I think it's in the whole world. Really? Like as far as the number of people tuned into the same channel at the same time all around the world, I'm pretty sure it's the number one. What about like World Cup? Does World Cup top it? Because I feel like there's more like soccer fans than American football fans. Oh, that's a good question. But also, I mean. Anyway, that's kind of a side point. It doesn't really matter. But Um, I would also also imagine – Okay, we should just look this up before we start talking, <laughs> making stuff up. But right. I would imagine because the World Cup is very, very popular in much poorer countries, right? Oh, so like less overall, quote unquote, viewers. No, less like TVs tuned in, or maybe less TVs. But I also I was thinking like if you're trying to get people to buy stuff, you're going to market to the wealthier people in USA more than a bunch of people in say Honduras. Yeah, but I mean, I think that the World Cup is like the rest of the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I I, no, definitely. Because I think even yeah. wealthier people are like super into the World Cup, like wealthier people than even would be into American sports. But I could be wrong about that. I mean, you've like you've got some pretty big wealthy countries that are involved there. I mean, it's like I don't know. I feel like the rest of the world cares more about the World Cup than anything else. And like, we're the one country that actually cares about like the Super Bowl. <laughs> Well, this according to this, this is the most watched telecast in world history. It was this year's Super Bowl? Oh wow! Okay, so massive crowd. Anyway, all that to say, I think that might just be because Americans own more TVs than yeah. than any other country. That so. would totally make sense. And everybody's watching it like you know on their own device and TV, and so lots of backlash and lots of support for the "He Gets Us" ad. Ethan, you got the chance to watch it, right? Oh, hang on a second. Sorry, we got this wrong. Oh, yeah. There's an article on (laughs) Super Bowl versus World Cup. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thing. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Uh, Over 1 billion people watched the World Cup, and the Super Bowl was about 150 million. So... (laughs) <laughs> Super Bowl is like <laughs> a fraction of the World Cup. I told you, dude. I do wonder, though, about the price of the commercials, though. Uh, it's probably a lot less for the World Cup, I bet. Yeah. And I, yeah, anyway, this this is a total rabbit trail. So we don't have yeah, to look into that now. That's okay. But there's like, may, maybe it's to say that there's more money involved in the Super Bowl. It, it, whatever. So <laughs> the He Gets Us ad. I don't know if everybody who's listening has seen this. But the ad itself kind of just gives a bunch of, like, still shots. They look like they're AI-generated, honestly. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's going back. (laughs) The World Cup, about 1 million per 30-second commercial. Super Bowl, 7 million per 30-second commercial. So the the cost is just so much more absurd for the Super Bowl. That's crazy. I want to know why that is. Anyway, I think per per seat cost for the Super Bowl is, like, more, too. Because the average seat was, like, 10 grand. Interesting. At the Super Bowl. It was like, That's crazy. It was like, I don't know, some number of millions to get one of the boxes. 
Like, mm-hmm. that's just crazy. So <laughs> moving back into it, <laughs> so the heat yeah. gets us at, you saw it, but basically, right, it's a bunch of still shots of people yeah. washing people's feet right. and very like specifically chosen still shots. Like opposite demographic type people. Like a police uh, washing a black guy's feet in the alleyway. Yeah. And there was a priest washing a priest. A, looking like a gay per like a uh, LGBTQ yeah. type person yeah with like pink hair or like a like a, a an old white lady washing a, like refugees feet or something or you yeah. know like a bunch of those types of yeah. things and so the whole ad was basically that and then at the end like, I'm totally blanking on what it said exactly oh yeah that's what it was Jesus didn't teach hate didn't teach hate he taught is that what it said Jesus it's just I remember that Jesus didn't teach hate yeah, and then I think it just said he gets us. And then it just says he gets us? I think. Oh, okay. So basically that's all the ad was. And it sparked a lot of controversy. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of interesting to see some of the uh, – because I, I, I follow people that were like super against it. The cultish show, those guys – were against it. That guy just kind of <laughs> seemed like a knob from that video I watched. <laughs> did you did you watch his take on it? Not th- I watched five minutes of his take on it. Yeah. So he. Um, <laughs> so sh- share your opinion, so, then I'll share my opinion. I don't know because I, I I struggle to have much of an opinion just yet. But they posted on the cultist show Insta page the he gets us ad is fundamentally neo pagan at its core. <laughs> It's worship of the self over the creator, cosplaying as Christianity. So some pretty, like, sharp language on that. And I've heard other people, like, have a similar take just on the social medias. And then in the comments, I feel like a lot of people generally are like, oh, well, you know, so many people are watching this. It's, like, actually a good thing for Christian Christian culture, like, to see that. And I thought it was kind of interesting because, I mean, that's, Essentially, what we're trying to do is make Christianity palatable, at least for the (laughs) common man, less repulsive, right? That's our whole thing. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know where I where I totally stand. But we could we could definitely open it up. What was that guy's the cultish guy's reasoning for for being so against it? So from what I know, and I I didn't watch his whole response because it was like a 30 minute video. and I was like, I don't have time for this. Um, (laughs) I don't care that much. (laughs) I'm really not that concerned about it. I do think that there is truth to be said about like really making sure what you put out there actually represents Christianity well. So I think generally the approach that was taken for the like anti he gets us was – Christ didn't wash just anybody's feet. And it's like, you know, kind of, it, it doesn't really say who's Christian, who's not in the little ad. It's just people washing people's feet. Yeah. Reconciliation overall. It was kind of trying to make a point more of like reconciliation, right? So the general like take on it is that Christ washed his disciples' feet, mm-hmm. right? He didn't wash non-Christians' feet. It's well, none more of them like were a, Christians at that point. <laughs> I know. They're all Jews. <laughs> well, they were they were followers of Christ, right? Which, yeah. which essentially is kind of that like little Christ, the disciple kind of aspect, the learner, right? He's well, the discipler. It's I mean, it depends on how you define Christian, because like, is a Christian someone who believes in the death and resurrection of Jesus? Well, Jesus right. hadn't died and resurrected yet. So <laughs> how, I mean, you know, that's true. That said, I think the big argument there is that like it's more of a it's not like a everybody gets it thing. 
right? Not not everybody gets their feet washed by Christ. It's the twelve disciples in but the why room. Why does that matter? Before he died, so that's kind of the general take on it, right? Or at least the anti-ad. That's such a that's such um, a specific critique of something that's meant to be so <laughs> nice. Yeah, you know? it it's tough because I actually went through their archives and like watched some of their other videos just on the website, and I I feel like. Generally speaking, their goal is. Are you talking to, about cultish or? Oh the, yeah, sorry, not cult, not cultish. The he gets uh, us yeah. website. So yeah, thanks for having me specify. I went back through their videos. So this is beside the point. So that was the whole like, I that was like the the critique of it, right? I went through their website and started going back through like the archives of their videos, and I found one on because it's the classic woman at the well story, right? They do a little like talk about that, or like a little educational video. And they made the whole story about Christ and the woman at the well kind of center around how he broke down barriers of race and gender and things like that to speak with her and meet her where she was at, right? That was kind of what they broke it down to. And I think in a similar fashion, you can kind of see that in the ad of like, well, Christ would break down the barriers and we should humble ourselves, right, to wash the feet of those who are different or like mm-hmm. maybe marginalized, right? So in the video that I watched on the woman at the well, so this is just going back to the video of the woman at the well. This isn't the commercial and my take on that. But instead of, which I think that story is actually talking about how Christ, she was the first person he was called the Messiah by, yeah. right? That Like the big point of the story is like the first woman or the first person to like call Christ the Messiah by name is this woman at the well, which I think, again, there is that aspect of him speaking to a woman, not acceptable really at the time. She's a Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. So like there, is, there are hints of that, but it felt like they kind of made the whole focus that he was doing that instead of that he was like revealing himself as the Messiah. I think it's multifaceted, like exactly. all parts of the Bible. You know, it's not just one thing. It's yeah. a whole bunch of things. Because, totally. yeah, like she had been married five times and the, the man she was living with now is not her husband. And she goes to the well in the middle of the day because she doesn't want to encounter other people at the well. Right. That's why it's just the two of them because it's the heat of the day. Yeah. So there's all those other – those things are at play, you know, in the story. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, I think multifaceted is a great way of putting it. I think for my take on the commercial, I feel like there's nothing – it's tough because there's nothing really biblically that says like washing feet is only for Christians, right? I think by example, like, yeah, we can kind of draw that like Christ washed the disciples' feet maybe from scripture, right? You don't really see it anywhere else. But I feel like if that's the main focus of like the critique, I kind of struggle. I guess I feel like maybe the ad didn't present itself I guess you got 30 seconds. I don't know. It's tough. (laughs) I'm I'm running in circles now mentally. (laughs) But I mean, if you go to, I don't, I I didn't, like I said, I didn't watch that cultish video, but Jesus says, I just pulled it up in John 13, 14. Mm -hmm. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Yeah. So literally that's what the video is showing. Right. Is people washing other people's feet as a means of reconciliation or as a symbol, as a really powerful, poignant 
I can never say that word. Poignant. 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 A, a, a poignant image of reconciliation between people yeah. that historically may have had some rifts between them. Totally. Right? Totally. So I don't think it's saying this person represents Jesus. I think it's saying Jesus taught us, right? Because mm. that's what it says at the end of the commercial. Yeah, totally. Jesus didn't teach hate. He literally, I just read, he taught us by example even to wash one another's feet as a means of humbling ourselves to love each other, especially like he preaches consistently all throughout our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Well, everybody. <laughs> so, right. you know. And I think that that's a good point. Like it's not some exclusive Christians only thing where, you know, maybe you could make an argument for something like communion. Like, okay, this is for, you know, Christians like scripturally, there's an argument to say that this is just for Christians or believers. Well, not scripturally, but traditionally. Well, Paul says that you reap judgment on yourself. If you take it incorrectly. If you take it incorrectly. Well, I, I think that that would— But that was referring to excluding the poor people from coming to take it. Yeah. But, in 1 I mean, Corinthians 11. Also could be an argument to say like— I mean, the Catholics and uh, several other denominations have their own interpretation yeah. of or their own understanding. Everybody kind of kinda takes that, yeah, that own way. That said, it's not one of those things where it's like you could die on that hill and say, like, this is scripturally or traditionally right. only a Christian thing. Yeah. So if we go back to the commercial, right? Yeah, I think you made a good point. None of the people washing feet are technically supposed to like depict a a Christ figure. They're just people washing people's feet. I mean, the implication from the text at the end, he didn't teach us to hate, implies that these people are obeying what Jesus did teach, which is to love each other. Right. Right. I, I struggle. I think maybe that's the problem that I have with the commercial more so than anything is that like Jesus didn't teach us to hate. It's like we're making an ad against hate. Okay, everybody can get behind that, but like, I don't think <laughs> but I, but the, I don't think any Christian would say like, yeah, we're 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 believing that we hate people, you know. Well, I mean, if you look at how a lot of, I mean, quote unquote, air quotes, Christians, yeah, live and talk, you don't. It doesn't always feel that way. It Thus, seems the attractive Christians podcast is necessary, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, because like so many Christians out there are like, oh, like. F Joe Biden, you know, like the let's go Brandon people. <laughs> yeah. Like that is living out hatred against an individual and by extension, probably most Democrats or liberals. Right. And I'm, I'm guessing a lot of those people would call themselves Christians. Potentially. Yeah. So, I, I think that that's a, that's a fair point. But I think that to that extent, it's like, it's, it's like basically saying, you know, like we're against hate. And it's like, okay, everybody's going to say yes, obviously. In a general even, sense, yeah. In, in a general sense. And even those people that think that they're doing these things in like a, you know, like you, you, you can talk to Christians that are like very adamantly, you know, their way. Some like reform guys are super like, no, we, we won't like let gay people in the church, hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But they don't think they're being hateful, right? I don't know. It's tough because I think that that language is is well. I don't the, think the one difficult part. Yeah, I mean, I would say I don't think that the commercial is aimed at reform dudes. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I think the commercial is aimed at non Christians who might not want to set foot in a church. Totally. You know, and so yeah. if you're starting with that 
presupposition. It's like, well, how do we make something that's broadly acceptable? Maybe tries to slightly shift their perspective on Jesus and who Mm. Jesus is a little bit. Like, you know, they're not going to come rushing to a church because they saw that commercial, but it might just plant a little seed in their head. Totally. So to that degree, if that worked. Because, yeah, maybe there will be people that go to a church because of it. Yeah, if that worked for, you know, a couple hundred people, you could say, well, was that worth $7 million? Like, <laughs> right. oh, and I don't know. Like, maybe to them it was, maybe, maybe it wasn't. But who knows what their goal is because if I had $7 million to get more people interested in Christianity or to go to church who may have been opposed to church, I don't know. I'd have to put a lot of thought into how I would spend that money. Mm-hmm. Would I make that exact commercial? Would I give it to churches and, you know, like, Or missionaries hey, or right. people or yeah. do some so, sort of big work. Yeah, it's a good point. It's worth thinking about. Like that could be maybe more of the, like, why Why did you spend $7 million on this 30-second yeah. commercial? I don't have a hard opinion on it because I think it's yeah. overall, I think it's generally good. Like, Yeah. I mean, I think that I'm in the same spot. Like, I don't, I don't believe that it's some, like, evil thing. I don't think it's I wouldn't neo- say it's pagan. I don't think it's neo-pagan. That's why I said that guy's <laughs> kind of like a knob. You know, like it, maybe it was a knob. Okay, take. bro, we'll just, chill out. We'll just say it was a knob take because knob take. I feel like they're usually pretty equitable overall, but like I don't know that that was a weird. I, I think seeing the backlash on it, I, I understand maybe where they're coming from, just from the sense of like I see what they're trying to say. Who? The cultist the, guy or the, the... The opposers of the commercial, right? I think they're just honestly trying to get followers by stirring up controversy where there isn't any. I, I, I wouldn't even make that claim, but I, I would. think more than anything, they're trying to have a position or like an opinion on something. If he knows what he's talking about theologically and he's going to look at this, which is trying to reach out to <laughs> outsiders and genuinely show them that Jesus is about reconciliation and humbling yourself as he humbled himself... And you're going to be against that? Like, bro, don't be a knob. Like, you're the reason people don't like Christians. <laughs> if that's your, now, oh, now, nah, this is paganism. Like, what part of that is remotely paganism? I, I don't see anything pagan about it. I, I think, like I, like I said, I can see where they're trying to draw the argument up. I don't feel like that's totally, in, like, representative of what's actually going on there. Because, mm-hmm. like, having watched the commercial myself, like I said, I like uh, you know maybe my only issue with it was more so like the the wording and kind of how they went about it. But again, I don't have like any hard set stance on this, and I'm not gonna say like wow that was the worst thing ever. And yeah, it's neo pagan, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just such a harsh way to put it. Right. Um, totally. For something that like honestly isn't that. I don't know. I, I think in their in their view and what they're trying to get across is that like a bad representation of Christianity to the masses is the worst thing that you can do as opposed to maybe like a good representation to smaller groups of people overall, right? So but you I, think that the the He Gets Us campaign is just trying to appeal to the broadest number of people, the lowest common denominator, you know? Well, I mean, even from the with. commercial, like you can tell it's not, like you said, it's not meant for Christians. It's meant for the person that's like not a Christian that sees that and thinks, oh, like, Maybe that is, maybe there's some truth to that. You know, maybe I'll go like research that or yeah. maybe I'll check out what they're doing. So I think like you said, I mean, it's like the broader sense. They're trying to reach masses. They're not just trying to like, you know, build some theological study and share that with a bunch of new believers that came to their church. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my my opinion, and we'll wrap this up here. Yeah, it's a long one. <laughs> yeah, my opinion is it's great. Is it the best way a Christian missions group, quote, however you want to call them, could spend $7 million? I don't know, but I'm not opposed to it. I'm kind of right there with you. It's like the big question is like, did this require $7 million? Like, could we have done better here? Could we not have? Like, is this the best yeah. way we could have done it? But, like, is it that well, dangerous? Like, not Another really. question would be, if you had $7 million and someone said you have to make a 30-second Super Bowl commercial with the $7 million, would that be the best possible commercial you could come up with? Because right. no matter what commercial they came up with, People, Christians would have complained about it. I feel like you're right. Like somebody, maybe not even just Christians, but somebody would have complained. Like people yeah, but just have I mean, a, specifically have Christians. Like, <laughs> True. let's say that these guys offended the reform group. Well, you make a different commercial and you offend the more liberal type Christians. Or right. you make a different commercial and offend, right? So it's like Christians are going to complain about everything. Because they <laughs> just have so many different opinions. That's what things, I've learned. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're offending people right now. I'm um, offended by... I don't know. Everything. <laughs> no, but... Uh, okay, let's move on to some meat. 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 Okay, I got a quick one for you. Ooh. Because uh, we're already over an hour. But minus the minute that you went to the bathroom. Um, Told you it was going to be 60 <laughs> seconds tops, baby. So we... Um, so I was in seminary class uh, yesterday. And mm. I told my, I raised my hand, I said something, and my professor's response was, I have never heard that before in my life. He's Haitian. And, uh, <laughs> that, that impression. Yeah. I mean, he has a very thick accent. He's like, I, I have studied and I've read many books and I have never heard that before. Oh. So, I mean, you tell me if you've heard this before. We were talking about original sin slash total depravity, which, the 10-second description of those is, I mean, I think, I don't know if John Calvin coined the term. I mean, it's also rooted in Augustine theology as well. But basically, the idea that from the moment the sperm meets the egg and a human being is created, you are contaminated by sin and every dimension of you as a human is sinful. This doesn't mean you can't do a single good thing. It just means... Every dimension of you, meaning your will, your desires, your work, your everything is at least partially tainted by sin. Kind of like being covered in mud and like getting mud on everything you do. Maybe. Maybe that's yeah. a bad example. It's like, I'm just thinking of some type of visual image. Yeah, like say you fell in mud and you get up and you wipe a lot of it off. It's like you, you still have mud on your arm and your head and your chest and your legs, even if you can still see a lot of the skin there too. That's why where the mud's wiped away. Like maybe? you can still see skin, but it's muddy. Like you're not going to yeah. clean it off unless you take a bath. Right. You haven't taken a bath yet. You can't get it all entirely off of every part of you. Right. Mm -hmm. Without Jesus, who is your bath? <laughs> <laughs> that's, and that's the and that's the meat section. Thanks, guys. Bath water of Christ. <laughs> that's the meat section. What do you think? <laughs> um, so <laughs> is this the is this the question you raised? Or no, is, this is okay. the context. So this is the context. So this is the, the the conversation at least that he's building up to. Yeah. So we're just having this conversation about sin and total depravity, and he talks about he was talking about you know conception from the moment moment of conception, you're sinful, and that idea comes from Psalm fifty one. You, you know what verse I'm talking about? 
I, I don't know if like I can paraphrase it off the top of my head, but I know of the reference. Yeah. So uh, in Psalm 51, there's this verse, surely I was sinful from the moment my mother conceived me, mm-hmm. which most people just read and you say, okay, humans are sinful from conception. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing that I raised. I raised my hand and I was like, uh, but okay. Yeah. But I've heard that David was a bastard. And so, meaning, like in the literal sense, because you remember when the prophet Samuel goes to look at the sons of Jesse? Mm-hmm. Where's David? Who's the one son who's not brought to be examined by Samuel? You remember this story? I'm like digging deep right now. So I need in, to go back through this, actually. That's okay. So in 1 Samuel, uh, Old David— Old Testament's not my forte, <laughs> we'll just say. <laughs> anyway, keep going. You're more of a reformed guy who just <laughs> cuts off the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? We don't need that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I actually do believe in the this Old Testament. This thing is kind of weighing my Bible. This. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's weighing my Bible down. <laughs> so it'd be much easier if it was just like the New Testament and Psalms I could put in my pocket. Anyway, <laughs> keep going. So Samuel comes to look at the brothers, right? And I forget how many there are. There's seven or eight or 12. I don't remember. Wow, dude, you don't know this? <laughs> yeah. <kidding. laughs> so basically, going. there's all these sons of Jesse, and Samuel looks, and he's like, no, 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 no. And he goes down the line. He's like, do you have other sons? And he's like, oh, yeah, there's still David. He's out in the field with the sheep, right? And I always, in Sunday school, I grew up oh, hearing yeah. it was because he was the youngest. But a lot of commentators believe it was because he was he born was to a different woman. Mm-hmm. So that then could shift how you read Psalm 51, right? Mm-hmm. I was sinful from the moment my mother conceived me because his mother wasn't married to his father. Because it wasn't his wife. It was a sinful wife. conception. Yeah, it was a sinful, what, hookup, <laughs> affair, whatever <laughs> you want to say. They had sex. <laughs> oh, is that how that works? <laughs> no, actually, it's not. It happens when you kiss. Oh, um, is that how you had Hosea? Yeah. <laughs> we kissed once. Um, we, we kissed and boom, baby. <laughs> no, but so so then if that is the meaning of that verse in Psalm 51, mm-hmm. I was sinful when my mother conceived me, then that raises the question, are humans sinful at conception or is there actually this age of accountability or what I would say is the Adam and Eve story, becoming aware and then therefore responsible for your actions? Mm-hmm. You know, the, this this age of innocence and then this age of real, realizing your nakedness, your shame, and your sin, like Adam and Eve did, right? I always tie that in because I think it's so prevalent. Because, like, if if you hold to the, oh, you have an unborn baby, he's sinful. Well, what do you say to a family that has a miscarriage? What do you say when, like, one of the guys in my class raised his hand and he said, my wife and I had a miscarriage a couple years ago. Is that baby burning in hell because he was sinful and didn't have a chance yeah. to repent? That's my question when people go that route. Yeah. So, so like, I think, one, as a pastor, and and my, my professor, because he's Haitian and he's just kind of blunt, he didn't have a pastoral response to this guy. In my opinion, not the best response. He was like, he's like, well, I don't know. Um, he's like, it's too bad that that happened, but— Yes, you are sinful from the time you... And I was like, bro, that is not how you respond. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) He just like opened up real deep and you just... Yeah, and you're just like giving him a theological answer. Mm. And then, but then in my head, I'm going like, well, if this is your framework, 
but you're willing to make exceptions when you meet someone who had a miscarriage, then it's not a real, actual, real-life framework. If your theology is removed from reality, it's not real good theology. Well, when you have to start, like, making exceptions, you're exactly. already sort of in a tricky spot because it means that, like— and again, it, it doesn't mean you can't say, I don't know. But, like, when you're making such a bold claim as to say, like— sin is seminal and it's always going to be there if the baby's conceived. Yeah. You're you're really making the stance that like, yes, that baby probably is in hell, you know? Yeah. If you're taking it at that root cause. Because I think even the Catholic Church has a bit of a, a I don't want to say roundabout way to get there, but they even kind of have a, a roundabout way to like approach. Well don't they have infants. the age of they have the age of accountability? Yeah, they do. But they would still hold to like an Augustinian like Sin mm. is from that conception. So they point. they might say the baby is sinful, but not accountable. Maybe, maybe you could word it something like that. But I, again, I don't know. I don't know all the details, and I don't know maybe if that ties into like purgatory somehow, or like I, I don't know exactly how they take that all. But, but either way, like anyway, yeah. If your theology is is one that says this is what I believe. Except unless this actually happens in real life. Yeah, right. <laughs> then why would why Anyway, um, I'm not trying to dig against my professor or anything, but but I raised that question because it like if you if that is true that that's why David was in the field and therefore that's why he says that in Psalm 51, then that means that we're responsible for the sins we commit, mm. and we're not responsible for the sins that we inherit. Maybe you could say that. I, I think I see where you're going with that. It's a it's a tough one to define because I think in this and this goes back to like I mean again like you said I don't know who coined the terms and stuff but you've got kind of like that start point where Augustine really solidifies that thought mm-hmm. like of original sin of original sin where Augustine is just like yes like yeah. that baby the second that baby comes out of the womb it's evil like it's it's got no, even evil before that intentions yeah exactly the so second like, he's a zygote <laughs> yeah well so my point is like Augustine would look at a baby and think that child is evil at its core and not like in a bad way. He didn't hate babies, but like (laughs) it sounds bad when you say it like that. But I mean, in a sense that that that's kind of how that framework started. And then it's gone at least, you know, continued that way. But if you read the Psalms, like it's, it's not David making some vast claim about everybody, right? Like it doesn't always have to equate to everybody. I think that that's sometimes a misconception with the Psalms that people do, right? They kind of take the well, psalm and they're like, oh, this applies to the like my theology, my whole framework. Like surely it, yeah, if, if I was if that doctrine only rests on that one verse. Right. But then that one verse actually you get some context to it and you're like, oh, this changes everything, then the doctrine changes. Exactly. Right? So yeah, it's very important to do your homework. I think kids. that's a good point. <laughs> and not just read one verse and say, <laughs> okay, here's my doctrine. But I think that that often happens and it, it kind of like originates somewhere and it carries through traditionally, which, mm. you know, I don't hate tradition. I love tradition. But and, but it's worth examining. It's worth examining. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, like anything that you have to kind of sit back and be like, wait a minute, is that actually, you know, right? Yeah. Well, but, wasn't it Chesterton tells that little um, allegory? He's like, if you're walking around a field and you come to a fence – and it looks like an ancient stone fence that's been there for year for you know centuries. Mm-hmm. Don't just tear it down, but like walk along it, and then maybe find yeah. somebody who can tell you why that fence was put there in the first place. Because then it'll explain. It. Basically, he's saying like, don't just destroy things because you don't understand their origin. Yeah, 
But sometimes you might come to the realization, actually, this fence does need to be taken down because it was built a long time ago. They were misinformed or things have changed or we've Maybe learned new things. just a section of it, you know? Who knows? If we want to take sure. it that way, just be like, okay, you know what? Yeah, there's, there's truth to a lot of this. Like, mm-hmm. yes, we do inherit sin somehow. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't have to be something we're like all set on. Like, oh, yes, it's yeah. the, ser- the sperm carries the sin. But, and it also, if that's your starting <laughs> point for the gospel – that yeah. you are bad, then one, you're not starting the same way the Bible starts because that's a Genesis. That's what's called a Genesis three anthropology. Mm. You're starting with sin rather than starting with goodness. Mm. And um, that was a weird squeak in my voice. It was. Was that you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like I heard it and yeah. kind of just like disregarded it. Uh. Um, yeah, I'm going through puberty again. Nuts. Um <laughs> So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but you're, you're not starting the same place the Bible starts, and you're not starting – nobody wants to be told, hey, uh, you've been sinful since you were a zygote inside of your mother, uh, so repent or burn in hell, right. you pagan. So, I mean, you know <laughs> – Again, in the very, like, general sense, that can be what people do say sometimes. Yeah, um, and you know who didn't say that was Jesus. The only people he mm-hmm. talked about hell with were the religious leaders. Mm-hmm. So – if we want to be like Jesus, then don't talk about hell with outsiders. He only talks about them with the Pharisees and Sadducees and Sanhedrin. So, yeah, he, going back to the, the commercial, he only talked about love and acceptance and, you know, grace with the outsiders, right? He didn't, he didn't go, hey, you're a prostitute. Sorry. Looks like you're going to burn unless you repent, <laughs> you know? I mean, he did tell people to go and sin no more. Yeah. He, he challenged people. He held them to a higher standard. Yeah. But I, I think that, yeah, it, it's it's interesting because I think that oftentimes we approach the original sin conversation or just the sin conversation. I, I think naturally we don't – like if there isn't sin – we don't require Christ to save us. So we have to accept that there is this facet of sin in our lives that we have to like accept. And again, I, th- I, I mean, this expands into a bigger conversation, but I think the atonement is also multifaceted and mm-hmm. can't just be as simple as, you know, Billy Graham made it. And I like Billy Graham, but it, it's not just the world was good until we sinned. And because we sinned, we need Jesus, accept Jesus into your heart and all your sins are washed away. It's a very simple go to way heaven. to go about it. Yeah. I think it's way more multifaceted than that. The atonement is not simply, it was broken and now we put some tape on it called the cross and that's that. Right. Um, that's a little too simplistic. And you can kind of see that play out in a lot of churches and how people approach mm-hmm. evangelism and the gospel in general. And yeah, I think that, but again, I, I, I go, I always go back to the fact that like, yes, you know, we Again, it's called the atonement for a reason, right? Yeah. I mean, even even scripture re- uh, points at the fact that Christ is atoning for our sin. Yeah. I think how we get there, though, from conception to death or conception till salvation till glorification, we could say, is a little bit different than maybe how we've always gone about, like, just saying how that works, right? Yeah, I think it's so much richer. Yeah. And, like I said, multifaceted. Like, there's multiple interpretations of the atonement, like Christus Victor. I don't know Mm -hmm. how familiar you are with these. That Jesus came to establish his kingdom and announce his kingship. um, Totally. On the earth, right? And that his reign is coming in its fullness, and it's not here yet all the way, but it has begun. Yeah. Right. The yeah. kingdom is now, but not yet. All these things. And it's not just 
Yeah, and it's about relationship and God reaching out to his people for a more intimate relationship and all these things. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it can just be boiled down to, yeah, and I don't think you were trying to say that either. No. But so that was it, just a little examination. And I'm (laughs) I'm not trying to come down on a hard stance because I don't know if we're quote-unquote sinful from the time of conception or not, but I am saying there always could be multiple ways to read Something like that verse in Psalm 51. Mm-hmm. Surely I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's a little tidbit. Well, I mean, it, it, yeah, I guess to wrap up, it's like, I mean, if you if the only way you can interpret a psalm is that David is like speaking about every human being's experience. Literally. Literally. I, I just feel like you're you're obviously missing the point, even if, and I think biblical scholars do this all the time, They they kind of do what has been done because that's how it was supposed to be done. They they walk mm. along that fence and they don't really examine it. They're just saying. Well, that's, yeah, that's the tradition they inherited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, I think that it's good to challenge that. And I would, yeah, I would say if your doctrine of anything rests on one single verse in the entire massive Bible, <laughs> that might need to be reexamined. Or even just held loosely. I think that the Eastern church does this so well where they're just like, you know what? I mean – Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, but maybe. They're but much like, more comfortable with We mystery. don't really know. Yeah, and sometimes like it's okay to just say, you know what? Honestly, I have, I don't totally know, but I do know that Christ came. Uh-huh. Christ died. Christ rose again. Like right. he offers salvation. Like, again, you've got the other facets, Christus Victor. Right. You've got like the kingdom, you know, kind of coming and you've got kind of the the regenerative life right here on earth. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just a lot more to it than than the one like your yeah. sperm carried the sin through. How are you ever going to recover from this terrible thing that made you so terrible? Yeah. And going back to the miscarriage conversation, just real quick to like finish that up. It's like, I mean, think about all the a millions, billion, million, I don't know how many, like tons of babies <laughs> that have been like deleted, you know, like. You mean miscarried or aborted? Aborted. But it's like. You just, I mean, you, you can't just look at that and say that baby was sinful somehow. So, like, the only way my theology can reconcile, like, that child's eternal life mm-hmm. is by saying that it's probably in some transient hell state or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty, that would be a pretty brutal God. And I don't mean the good kind of brutal, like mm-hmm. heavy metal. I mean the bad kind of brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that, that, that that's true. It goes back to, like... I think that accepting the justice of God also requires that we accept that those things don't mean that that, that child's like doomed to an eternity of hell or, or however. Yeah. Again, we've had the hell talk before, but like just going with the traditional language of that, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I think that there, the Western mind struggles to fit everything into logical mathematical boxes. It's like mm-hmm. if sinful, then if sinful and unrepentant, then hell. <laughs> but 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 a baby couldn't repent. Therefore, uh, like it, you know, it doesn't fit into a nice mathematical. They're like, wait a second, box. My if then Excel sheet in my brain. I've got to if then calculate, mm-hmm. and then I've got to add the if then but, and I can't. Yeah, it doesn't work. Cannot compute. <laughs> but there's yeah, so much of life doesn't fit into that. Doesn't fit into any type of computation either. It doesn't, and yeah. that's the universe that God has created and put us in. So. Mm-hmm. That's the one we have to incarnate ourselves, you know? Yeah. We can't live in some imaginary universe that we wish we lived in. 
Maybe the real meat is the friends we meet along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the real universe is the, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The meat we eat along the way. (laughs) Maybe the real universe was the, oh my gosh, I just had it and I lost it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I I guess all in all, like a good way to sum a lot of that up is like, uh, like question some of this stuff. You know, it's good to question that stuff. Like you, I think raising that question in class naturally requires that people start digging a little bit deeper. Yeah, especially yeah. since my professor said he had never heard that before about <laughs> yeah, David. Yeah, so weird. Yeah, that is actually interesting because I I remember even hearing that at at one point. Really? I, I kind of disregarded it because I was like, ah, yeah, no, whatever, it doesn't matter. Or I was like, uh, cool, it doesn't really apply to like my theology somehow. Mm. But hearing that kind of again in this context, because you're an Armenian. <laughs> <laughs> Am I though? I have no idea, honestly. We should make bumper stickers that say question the Pope. <laughs> Attractivechristians.com. <laughs> question the Pope. Who is the Pope? <laughs> question question Vatican II. <laughs> or question the papacy. Popes aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> they can't hurt you. <laughs> Actually, yeah, they they have they, in the they past. Have, yeah, they could burn you. Not and the new guy, but you and kill you. Old and, popes. Yeah, the new guy's actually. Are, he's he's not the worst. Not yeah. the best. I don't know. I, I guess it's that's with any any big leader. I think JP two was the best. Oh really? Yeah, his theology of the body. Yeah, know? but I mean, there was kind of the cover up thing. Oh, was that under him? He did a bit of a cover up. Yeah, oh, I don't think yeah. that he was like maliciously trying to do stuff, but I think it was at a time where I, they couldn't like appear weak, mm. so he kind of did some covering up and. Dude, this is totally random too, uh, and then we're going to wrap it up, but I did some deep diving recently into the Crusades because oh, of a conversation yeah. I was having with one of my coworkers for mm. the city of Denver, a non-Christian dude. But yeah, apparently 1.7 million people died as a result of the Crusades. 7 million? 1.7. Oh, I was like, wait a second. That did not register <laughs> in my brain. Which 1. is way more than 7. I thought. I yeah. thought it was way less than that. But I guess, is that over all the Crusades? Because there were like seven of them. Well, here's the thing. Based on Crusade historians, here's another fun fact. The word Crusade comes from the bearers of the cross. Crus mm-hmm. is Latin or Greek for cross. So cruce aid, like the, the ones who like carried Gatorade. the cross. Yeah, crusade, cruise, cruise, cross cruise, aid, cross aid. <laughs> so they're going to right. It, so anyway, this historian said that the crusades were more of an ongoing, constant thing that had like rises, like bumps, like yeah, they would go totally. up. and those are what are referred to as the first, the second. So it's more like the first big rally, the second big rally, the third big rally. But they were kind of an ongoing back and forth thing. Oh yeah, totally. The other thing is that. You know how there's Sunni and Shiite Muslims? Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they were fighting with each other over Jerusalem. Yeah. And I forget which one it was, but one of them called in the Christians to come and wipe out the other group of Muslims. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just, it wasn't 100%. Was like Christians killing Muslims, like yeah. that kind of classic breakdown. It's so much more complex. My and, favorite crusade. And wait for it. Oh, yeah multifaceted (laughs) we thought like because it went on for hundreds of years yeah and uh yeah it went from about the 1200s to the 1700s so there's 500 years 
And it's not black and white. It's not like, no. oh, these innocent Muslims and, oh, these terrible Christians that invaded them. Oh, it's like bad Christians, bad Muslims, good Christians, good Muslims. Like you've got like this whole weird convoluted situation. That yeah. You can't just put a label on it like, right. oh, this is all evil. Right. It, you, you can't just be like – because that's the thing that atheists always love to bring up. Oh, well, if Christianity is so good, what about the Crusades? It's like, well – you're someone who has never studied history, so <laughs> thanks for telling me that. You obviously are not educated. No, my favorite one is the Fourth Crusade, where <laughs> the Crusade <laughs> got or their trip out to um, Constantinople. No, 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 no. Sorry, out to the Middle East or Jerusalem got hijacked, and they stopped in Constantinople, and they thought it was Jerusalem, <laughs> and so they just sacked Constantinople <laughs> and like took everything. Really? <laughs> And then they just, like, took off with all this, like, loot from Constantinople. <laughs> they did, like, nothing in Jerusalem. Dude, as I was reading through the summary of some of them, so, I was just laughing. So I was like, there's no way this is real. This must be a Monty Python sketch. It literally feels like a Monty Python sketch. That one specifically <laughs> for me is like, oh, my gosh. Like, you're kidding me. They just, like, didn't realize that yeah. they weren't at the right place. I think I think pe some people might have known, but they, like, didn't tell others I mean, or they something. probably didn't have a sign, like, welcome to Constantinople. No, not at all. I mean, you just show up in like war attire ready like, to go at it. And oh, here's a like, gathering oh, of people. Look, Let's it's a big them. city in the somewhat Middle East in the desert or something, kind of. Not really. We'll just sack it. <laughs> and then go back home and yeah. we reclaim the Holy Land. Literally, that's what happened. Anyway, that was the fourth crusade, I'm pretty certain. Or maybe that was the child crusade. I kind of want to bring that book in is. now and just read through some of the funniest sentences. I, I can't remember them now, but they're hilarious. Uh, it's like, so bad. Like, Tr like sad in some sense, but mm -hmm. also hilarious. Kind of like, like dark, dark humor. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Classic crusaders, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> uh, all evil. But his argument, um, my, my coworker was like, mm -hmm. oh, the religion has killed way more people than anything else. I'm like, no, atheism has. Oh, yeah, a Have totally. you ever heard of a little thing I like to call the 1900s? Have you ever heard of a little <laughs> thing called uh, the gulag? Mixed with the Holocaust, mixed with Maoist communist China, mixed with... The Spanish Civil War mixed with, you know? <laughs> So you're telling me that like way more people died under atheism than Christian or religious circles. Yeah. So yeah. He, he Googled that. It came up with 1.7 million died in the Crusades. I was like, yeah, that's a quarter of who was killed just in the Holocaust. Which also was a, like a 15th of who was killed in freaking Russia. Yeah. Or so, China even. Anyway. That was a major detour. <laughs> but I think that's important. I hope people listening learn something. We'll wrap it up there. You want to, you know. <laughs> oh, I just winked. Well, we do appreciate you guys. We didn't give a huge <laughs> shout out just yet um, to Annie oh my and Mark and Jules and Krista aren't here with us, but they do a lot of work for us and help out. They don't um, like fathers. And now that Tucker's a father, they didn't want to come. Oh, wait. For <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Daddy issues. Krista's out of town and Jules has parent-teacher conferences. Ooh. She's not a parent. She's a teacher. Okay, yeah. That's a good point. to uh, way, way to clarify that. <laughs> um, but we love all well, of our team. Um, we do. They're the best. And we love you. <laughs> and, and we get you. Yeah. Get it? We get you.com. <laughs> and uh, reach out if you have any big pressing questions. We now have a place for those to be answered. Gmail us. Yeah. We, we'd love to hear it all. Apart from that, keep an eye out for more to come. We've got some cool conversations on the horizon. Oh, next week's guest is a our first official female guest, CJ Banks. 
She's a seminary student with me. She's really smart. And I think she'll... I think she'll have different perspectives, maybe than both of us. I Definitely love that. than you. Oh, <laughs> but um, it'll be really good. She'll be great. So don't miss that talk, y'all. <laughs> but uh, this has been the Attractive Christians podcast. We really appreciate you guys. We hope that we can make Christianity a little bit more attractive. Hopefully, a lot a bit more attractive. And uh, we love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. I'm so sorry. It's time. Oh my gosh. I told you said you, you could should, wait an hour. I told you I, I should probably give it a shot, but it just didn't work. You said you could wait an hour and it's you made it exactly 30 minutes. <laughs> it just hit 30. <laughs> give me give me one minute flat. Okay. Trust me. It's 30.08 right now. 30.08? Yep. I'm gonna eat a tamale. Wow, that was fast. I know. I was like, it was just, you know, when I start thinking about it and it just like happens faster and I'm like, oh crap, it's <laughs> not slowing down. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. I feel terrible. It's okay. <laughs> you feel better now though? I feel way better. Well, it's like you're trying to focus, but you have to pee so bad. And you're like, oh crap. And then you start thinking about it and you're like, it just keeps going. Like, I'm like the father who said, I told you to go before we got in the car. <laughs> well, I kept saying to myself, and you like, said, no, yeah. I don't have to go right now. You said, I'll be fine. But then I told myself like, maybe I do. But then I didn't. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> okay, Annie. Son, next time, <laughs> go before we get in the car. <laughs> it's so true. Annie, do not cut this out. <laughs>